0: Good morning. morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awake and sing the song.
1: Is. Good, morning. good morning welcome here to the north of our Church of Christ um, if, if you're a visitor here I'd like to stick around and uh, get to meet you a little bit um, if you're a regular here you I guess you already know how things are going here so um, this morning it's our chance to like the song said to sing it's a chance to be awake um uh, to, to rejoice in Christ um, this morning we got several different things we'll do we'll we'll pray and those prayers are not are not meant to be your prayer, but to lead you in prayer, to open up your heart and pray for certain things directly to God. Uh, we'll sing our praises to God. We'll sing for what He's done for us, what He continues to do, His promises which He's always kept. It's a way that we can speak the truth, we can speak the love from our hearts, we can speak it to one another. Um, we'll have the Lord's Supper to remember the, the sacrifice of Christ. We'll have the, the bread which represents His body, and um, the fruit of the vine which represents His blood, which watches away our sins. We'll have a chance, the opportunity to give, and uh, and Matt will be delivering the sermon. This morning his topic is, and this evening actually too, right, is the truth, the way, and the light. If you don't know what the truth, the way, and the light is, I'm sure he's going to tell us. Uh, and it'll probably be in every single song before and after that, too. So, anyways, no big mystery, is it? So, anyways, we're glad you're here this morning. Um, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. Dear Lord, we know that you are the the way, the truth, and the light. The world would like it to make that appear not true. A lot of times we try to make it our own way. But we know that it's always, it's only through you. Father, we're thankful for... A plan that was there before time, a plan that was there, is there for us, a plan that's there to share with our friends, our family, a world that desperately needs it. Father, we ask for your love and for your mercy and that you're with us every step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number
0: 91. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty,
2: the King of creation. All my soul, praise it for me.
0: instruments.
2: Gracious and loving Father, the true and living God, let thy kingdom come, and let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, help us to know that Jesus Christ is your Son. He entered time for us, even though he was treated badly. And also, you've given us free will, for we cannot say we didn't have a choice too. And all this, we know that one day we're going to be in paradise with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Our next two hymns will help us to prepare our thoughts and minds for the communion this morning. Number 18. Faithful love, love. travel
2: this road.
3: consider him. quite fitting for this table in this moment because that's really what we're here to do this morning, is to look at our Lord and Savior and recognize what he's done for us to put, you know, the mundane things that distract our attention and, you know, require a fair amount of our time to remember that there's a, a greater cause and a greater purpose and that we need to be striving towards that and trying to reach that example. So. When we we look at what this table is for, you know, if we look in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, it reads, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, after the blessing, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins so this simple memorial here is to remind us of what he did for us but also to help us reflect on the gift that was given so that we can consider what we need to do and how we should focus will you bow with me in prayer dear heavenly father we we thank you for this gift an example of love that did flow down from that thorn-covered crown. We ask that you allow us just to reflect a small amount of that love and grace and glory as we strive to be more like you that others can see what we're doing and why. And that we take that love and just show the gratitude. That's all that you're asking is show the gratitude for what we have been given by simply doing what we need to do looking towards you, emulating you, looking at ourselves, examining where we fall short, and striving to do better. Father, always help us to do better. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us continue in prayer for the cup. Father, we approach your throne of grace and majesty again. Grateful that your son paid the price that we could not pay. In our weakness, he had strength, and he was able to be perfect where we are imperfect. Knowing we couldn't achieve this, he achieved it for us. As we go throughout our lives, let us remember what that gift really entails and help us use that gift and the grace extended to us to reach out to our fellow men and women in the area that may not be Christians to bring them home to you. In Jesus' name, amen. give thanks for the offering father we come again grateful to to be living in this country where we can worship you freely we can be industrious we can go after uh, careers that leverage our talents and abilities and we live in a society that enables us to do that which many many folks on this planet do not Father, we are grateful for the blessings that you do give us, our jobs, our families, our homes, the ability to, you know, get up every day and, and go out and earn a living to take care of things. And Father, we want to thank we want we want to ask for your blessing on the offering that we're going to be giving, that it may be given with a cheerful heart and that the offering that we put forward will be able to be used to further your work in this area. And Father, we ask that you bless the elders and give them wisdom and guidance on how best to use the funds that will be provided. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is John fourteen four through six. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me.
0: At this time, children second grade and younger and their teachers may go to their classes. If you will, we're gonna sing number 873. I want you to stand for this hymn, if you will, please. I was reminded years ago, when I first started leading singing, I made the mistake of leading a very, very slow hymn before the sermon. And afterwards, the preacher came up to me, and he said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Your job before the sermon is to get everybody awake, get their blood pumping, them praising god so that when i step up there i see open eyes and they're paying attention to me this hymn does that so it's now up to you
2: A spacious turn on
4: As most of you know, I just got back from teen week, so I've been yelling at teenagers for a week, so my voice is a little weak. So if you hear me start cracking like um, a teenager, you know why. We had a great teen week. It was my um, last one as director. Um... It was a short one when it comes to the amount we had. We had right around 90, 90 campers total, but we had nine baptisms. So one out of every ten. That's right. It's very, very happy about that. One out of every ten. And you know, I was thinking if we could just get one out of every ten people that come and visit us baptized, we'd be doing something. We'd be doing something. Added to the body, we'd be doing something. That's kind of where we're going today. So this is my. Um, just based on the way the schedule's working out for July with the with my calendar and and the church's calendar and 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 everything coming together this is my last opportunity to talk to you guys before the evangelism seminar so I wanted to kind of give you my own spin a little bit of my own spin on um, evangelism and if and really if you've been paying attention for the last several months we've been talking a lot maybe not just completely focused on but a lot on evangelism. So I want to plug this as well before we get started. This is part A of a two-part lesson so I would love for you to come back tonight and hear the other part. We're going to get a lot more specific on the how. Today I want to talk to you this morning about the why. Tonight I want to talk to you about the how. How are we going to do it? What does it look like? How can you be most effective? Today I want to talk about the why though. Why is it so important to evangelize To your community? Why is it so important to evangelize um, to the ones you love? Why does it matter? Why isn't it just something we all can kind of figure out and come to on our own? You know, Jesus had told the disciples, this was the scripture that was just read, Jesus had told the disciples that he was getting ready to leave. That his purpose was getting ready to be fulfilled. And that he was going to go back to his home with his father in heaven. And of course the disciples, they're very confused by this. Why? Because the disciples are still expecting Jesus to come back and establish Israel forever on this earth. They don't really fully understand that the kingdom of heaven is not of this world. And so they're confused about it. And he's saying to them, you know, I'm about to leave you. And he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And everybody remembers that Thomas is the one that says, you know, Jesus is dead. Unless I see him raised from the dead, I won't believe. But this is another moment where Thomas speaks up that most people don't really instantly think about. And Thomas says the thing that probably many of us, if we were sitting in that crowd that day, if we were part of the 12 that day, we'd probably be thinking the same thing. Hold on, we don't know where you're going. It's not like somebody's made a map that charts the course to heaven. And you've got to remember too, at this time, even amongst the religious leaders of the Jews, there was a lot of things they were debating on. There was a whole sect of people called the Sadducees who didn't even believe in resurrection. They're one of the most powerful parts of the Jewish religion at the time. So for us, when we hear, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you and you know the way, and you have Thomas saying, no, we don't know the way. We're kind of like, what? Why would Thomas be saying that? He's one of the disciples. But we don't really debate that in this church. In fact, very few churches, I would say, that are even around and exist and proclaim Jesus Christ today would debate heaven, would debate resurrection. But that's what they lived in. And so Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how in the world can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, to me, one of the most important things in all of Scripture. To me, this is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. This is one of the most important things Jesus has ever said in his entire existence. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, those of you who come regular, those of you who are members of this church, you know, there's, this scripture is quoted by me a lot. Because it has, in my opinion, the whole truth encompassed in it. It has the answer everyone is looking for in it. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today. I'm going to skip down here real quick. And I want to show you the three things that I think Jesus is saying, because we look at it usually from a more of a, um. Um, theological way. I want to look at it from an evangelistic way and I want you to see something that Jesus is telling all of us. Because he's giving us the three things that every single person, every single person you've ever met, every single person you've known, no matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how um, little, if you will, they are. Right? Whether they've been in jail or not been in jail, whether they've had a rough life or not had a rough life, whether they come from a good family or a bad family. Or, you can divide it however many ways you want. Right? But a lot of that stuff is pretty intimidating that I just said. A lot of that stuff might actually keep you from making a move towards somebody based on their past life. Sometimes we even look at people who have very different life, and we say, what can we really have in common? These three things we all have in common. When Jesus is, excuse me, when Jesus is describing himself and he's telling the world the truth about himself, he says these three things. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking for direction and purpose. Tell me one person you've ever met in your life that's not looking for direction or purpose. Tell me one person you've ever met in your life that when they feel like they're heading in the right direction or they feel like they're living a life that has purpose is not happy about their life. Everybody's looking for direction and purpose. In fact, it's when life gets chaotic and people don't feel like they have any direction or people don't feel like they have any purpose is when things like depression and anxiety creep in. What about the truth? Don't you think everybody's looking for the truth? Isn't that what causes the majority of division in this world? People's disagreement on what the truth is? Isn't that one of the things we have a hard time really coming to a consensus about? Everybody's looking for it. Everybody would love to know it. If you could know all truth right now, wouldn't you want to do that? If it was like a um, um, three-week course that you would have to go and attend every single day for the entire day, but at the end of it, you would know all the truth of the universe. Who's not sitting through that class? Some of you are thinking it probably depends on how exciting the teacher is. But if you could really, if they could guarantee you, you could know all the truth, you wouldn't sit there? You wouldn't listen? I think it's something we all want. I don't think anybody in here or anybody you've ever met wasn't searching for the truth. And last but not least, the life. And look at what we are going through right now in our culture, don't tell me that the world has not always been looking for, not just to have your best life, as the kids would say, right? Well, I'm gonna live my best life. But also, we are looking to increase the number, the age of life, at least since I've been alive. Now we're talking about trying to figure out how we can take the human consciousness and put it in a chip so that I can take it from this body and move it to this body and essentially have eternal life right here on on Earth. Don't tell me people aren't looking for their best and longest life. They are. These are the three things Jesus brings up. He says everything you're looking for, it's found right here. It's quite a bold statement. Now let's get into it. Let me go back. Hold on. Whoa, what was that? Oh. Don't you love when the formatting just goes crazy? <coughs> so, everybody, let's start with direction and purpose, right? Now here's some scriptures I want you to think about. Matthew 7 13 and 14 kind of gets overlooked at times, but it's and and you can come up with a couple different interpretations of what this means, but let's just read it real quick. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, there's two ways to interpret this, and this is very important. One, there's one reality that's right there in your face, that Jesus says, he says you got a wide gate that leads to destruction, you got a narrow gate that leads to life. And many will go through which gate? The wide gate. And few will go through the narrow gate. Why? Because it's harder. That part's the easy one, right? It's right there, it's spelled out for you. But why is it harder? What makes it so difficult? Well, one, the majority of the current in this world, right, is going to be going in the direction of their own way. They're going to be doing what they want to do. They're going to be living how they want to live. They're going to be making decisions based on how they feel in the moment that day. And that's the normal current of mankind. That is the normal current of humans. Do what you want. Do as you please. Do whatever makes you feel good. What do you think's right today? It's okay if you change your mind tomorrow. That's the normal current. You know what? Whenever you're doing what you want, that's pretty easy life, isn't it? What, what do you think's easier? When you're at home and you have your schedule because of your work and you have to do all these different things, and you don't, or when you're on vacation and every day you wake up and you go, what do I want to do today? Maybe that's how some of your vacations work. That's never how my vacation works. That's what I think it's going to be. It's never that way. I go on vacation, then I need a vacation from my vacation. That's like everybody just shook their head yes. Okay. I thought maybe I was alone on that. Right? Obviously, though, even with that being said, what would you rather do, work every week or be on vacation every week? Give me a break. It's no question, right? It kind of goes back to the old adage that everybody says when they're uh, playing golf because most people aren't very good at it, or when they go fishing because most people don't catch something every time they go. They say a bad day of golf or a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of, yeah. Why? Because it's easier. Because is less stress. You're doing what you want. You might not be getting the exact results you want, but you're doing what you want. So that's the first part of the interpretation. second part really narrows in. There are many ways to destruction. You can find that way to destruction in many different avenues. But there is only one way. There is only one way. To heaven and eternal life. There are many ways of destruction. You know, Satan, he doesn't care which way you pick either. Fool yourself. Great. Worship a false god. Great. Pretend there's no God and we all just got here magically by chance. Great. But there's only one way to heaven. That's why the gate is narrow. And oh, by the way, Jesus already told you, depending on your translation, I use the ESV. It's my favorite translation. Doesn't work as nice in this moment. Many translations will have this as the gate where I have the door. It's the gate in many translations, but the ESV translates as the door. Same difference. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Yet again, I want to tell you that the world is trying to lead us to a place where here's the simple truth. Here's the simple truth Satan's trying to sell everybody right now. You don't know who God is let alone you don't know if he even exists. You don't know who he is. So right now we're already at a 50-50. Does he exist or does he not exist? And then we take that, we make it way less than that because now we got all these different gods out there and, and there's all these different religions and you can trace them way back in the history of time. You don't know who God is. So therefore, if you don't know who God is, then all roads that lead to God also lead to heaven. No, it's not how it works. Jesus said, I'm the gate. I'm the one who opens the door for the sheep. I'm the one that leads them to pasture. I'm the way. There's only one way and that's Jesus Christ, right? He also reminds you, and this is a very important thing in verse eight, that all that other stuff, it's been around for a long time, but it's always been thieves and robbers. You know why? Because it doesn't come from any other place than one place too, and that's the devil. It's a reality, and if I can't, if it takes years of me preaching this to beat this in everybody's head, then by all means, we will talk about this every so many weeks. Cause the world is trying to push this hard on us right now. Which I want to give you this warning. This is written by Solomon. Wisest man to ever live. Now, he lost his way a little bit too. He fell in love with his own wisdom. He fell in love with the wisdom of the world and lost his way a little bit on the wisdom that got of God. But that doesn't mean he all of a sudden became dumb. No, he's brilliant. He's one of the best, most brilliant people that ever wrote anything in the Bible. And look what he says. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death, the wide way. That's why Jesus is the gate. Because unless you come to him, you can never find the right way because your way, your way, every single one of us before Jesus, every single person ever created before Jesus, left to their own inhibitions, left to their own decisions, left to their own choices, left to their own heart and their own mind, not being transformed, but being conformed to the world, every single one of us. This is the way. It would seem right It'd make a lot of sense, but it leads to destruction. Remember this, we've been talking a lot about how there's always scripture in the Bible we wrestle with and we wonder, God, why did you make it? Why does it say this? Why couldn't it be this? Why? Because there's a way that seems right to man that leads to destruction. If there's not parts of scripture that you can look at and you don't, and you don't think, man, this is really difficult or, or God, I really don't understand why it's like this, then you're not reading enough of the Bible. Because there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to destruction. <coughs> don't ever forget that. The world tries to teach you that you got everything you need right here. And there's nothing else you need. Nope, wrong. You don't have everything you need right here you got everything you need right here once you have Jesus. Number two, everybody's looking for the truth. Everybody's looking for something real. And you know what? That's something that the younger generations, they say more and more, more and more. But I feel like that's every generation, isn't it? We're all looking for what's real. And in a world where people are starting to wake up and realize that you can't just take everything at face value, that there is money that manipulates, that there is power that manipulates, that there is the fallen world. Anything touched by man, you're not gonna get the whole truth from unless God preserves it himself, which is why we can trust scripture. Makes people want what's real and fulfilling even more. Going back to that idea that the way of man seems right. Jeremiah 17. You know, this is right before. Jeremiah's writing before and during the destruction. Before and during captivity. And he writes this, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Do you ever think about it like that? Have you ever heard trust your heart? Have you ever heard that? Trust your heart. You'll never go wrong if you just trust your heart. I know all the kids have heard that. They haven't heard that from me though. says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. You ever think about it like that? Who can understand it? And then God says, I the Lord search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his way and according to the fruit of his deeds. See, so everybody's looking for what's real, and everything's looking for what's true, and everything's, everybody's looking for what's fulfilling. And guess what? If you're left to your own devices and you're just following your, following your heart, which some of you probably did longer than me. Some of you probably weren't raised in a good family, and some of you probably weren't raised in the church. And some of, I'm going to tell you right now, I followed my heart for a while too. It led me astray. Lord searches the heart and tests the mind. It doesn't take long comparing and contrasting what God has given us through his word and the way that he has asked us all to live in the way of the world and the knowledge and the wisdom that the world gives us. It doesn't take very long of comparing and contrasting to find out which one actually leads to fulfillment. I mean, think about it. You sit there and you follow the ways of the world when you're young. You're following the ways of the world. You're doing everything you can to impress, to gain popularity, to gain recognition, to gain power, whatever it is. And before long, all those people you were doing that for, to impress, to gain power, you might get to a place where you finally think, I have arrived. This is it. This is what I've been working all my life for. Get shanked out overnight. Or better yet, for those who are in high school, you graduate and you realize, oh my word, all them people I've been spending my whole life trying to impress were all going different directions. And all that was meaningless. Why did I spend so much time doing all that? Why was I doing the things that I didn't want to do when I knew what I wanted to do, but I could never do what I wanted to do because I was too busy impressing all the other? It's not fulfilling. It leaves you empty. Because it's not the truth. The world is great at deceiving us into thinking if we just have this car, if we just have this chick, if we just have this lifestyle, if we just have this much money in the bank, it's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. It's a trick. And you know what's sad is some people chase that and they live in that rat race for so long practically killing themselves to try to get to that destination. And over and over, from generation to generation, through all of mankind, you can find men and women who have written this over and over, not just Solomon, but they've got to that destination and when they get there, what happens? It wasn't what they thought it was gonna be. You ever heard the old saying, the grass isn't always greener, that's what that's about. So this is another one of my scriptures that I don't know. I think it's because I'm a fisherman. i spend a lot of time on a boat. But I want to look at it from a different way than I know I've ever preached it before. But I, I just, just to paint the picture again, real quick, you've got this storm, you've got all these seasoned fishermen on the boat, all these people who've been on boats all their lives. They know the lakes, they know the waters they're in. I think that was part of the plan of God, right? So Jesus could essentially be sleeping in the boat, trusting that the one guy who's been driving that boat on that body of water for many times in his life can get him from point A to point B, and he can actually rest. Because don't forget, Jesus said many times, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He was weary. Everywhere he went, people were swarming him. It was probably hard for him to ever even get a breath. Imagine, he had 12 disciples that went with him everywhere he went. You don't think they were trying to eat up his knowledge every single day? So they're seasoned veterans, they know the water. And they come across upon this great wind. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Atlantic, it takes a really great wind to get really scary waves. You know why? Because in big bodies of water, in giant bodies of water, as the wind starts to push across, the waves separate. And what you get is big rollers, right? So your boat can go over a big wave and then it has time to go down the other side and it's got time to rest in the valley before it goes over the next wave. That's what you experience in the Atlantic. In the Gulf, more people die in the Gulf than usually in the Atlantic. Because when a wind picks up on a smaller body of water, the water gets choppier. So the waves can be the same size, but the rest in between is less. So what ends up happening is you have to get your boat up on keel and you have to just kinda let it pound, pound, pound through the waves and just pray. A bin out in the Gulf. I've seen scary storms in the Gulf, very different than the Atlantic. Been in scary storms there too though. These men, they're past that moment. The boat's taking on water. In their mind, their truth, we're gonna die. We're gonna drown. This is it. And so what do they do? They get upset. And what do they do? They go find Jesus. By the way, Jesus is asleep. He's in the back of the boat where it's calmer. And he's asleep. And they wake him up and they say, essentially, God, don't you care? They say teacher, but essentially, God, don't you care? We're all about to die? Don't you care? And Jesus gets up, and we know he calms the storm. And everything goes from crazy and chaotic to glass. Calm, beautiful, peaceful. And in this moment, the disciples freak out. It actually says that they're a little bit afraid of him. Now, they've seen a lot of miracles. But clearly up to this point, they've never seen him just shut down nature in a way that everybody knows is impossible, unless you're God. And that's what happens. And they say, who is this? That even nature, that even the storms and the winds will listen to him. Who is this? You know who he is? He's the truth. He's the truth. You see, the truth is not a concept. The truth is not something you come up with and changes day to day. The truth is Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. The world tries to tell you there's all these different ways to find the truth and all these different people you can trust to tell you the truth. The only person you can ever trust to fully tell you the truth and never lie to you is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been lied to by the people who love them the most. I hope that doesn't break anybody's um, world, shatter anybody's reality. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, the reality is we see the truth in Jesus, but we also see the truth when we study his word, which is why we gotta be into it. Last one. Best and long-lasting life. I just got two quick scriptures for you real quick. John 10.10. 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, the world is following the deception of the devil. And what does the devil do? He's the thief. And he's come to kill and steal and destroy. So all those ways that lead to the road to destruction, that's what you experience along the way. You experience death. You experience Things being stolen from you. And ultimately, you can even experience your life falling apart around you. That's the wide gate. That's what the world ends up chasing, and before long they find out they're not heading in the right direction, but sometimes you know, sometimes you create habits you just can't break. Before long, those habits you created along the way are just part of who you are and you can't imagine yourself being any other way. It's the deception of the devil. And then this is John 6. This is right after Jesus told him he was going to prepare a place for him for his, his father has a house and it has many rooms. John 6, 37. And all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So what he has been given will be raised up on the last day. That is the will of God. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's everything everyone is looking for. I promise you. You don't have to take my word for it, take his. His way is fulfilling, his truth is real, and his life is abundant and eternal. And the only way you can have that type of life, not just here on earth, but as it is in heaven, is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, having your sin washed away by His blood, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Studying that word to become more like Him. Never giving up no matter how how difficult the journey becomes because the way to life is hard. You know who gets there? The ones who keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then last but not least, I want you to know this. Everyone who has come to this knowledge most likely did not come to it on their own. Think about your own life. How did you get into church? How did you find Jesus? Were you just randomly walking down the road one day and stumbled upon a book and you dusted it off and it was like, oh, the Bible, maybe I should read this. then you converted yourself, that's rare. I can't even find really any, any, any case of that in scripture where somebody just converted themselves. See, almost everybody, if not everybody in here, I'd probably say probably everybody in here was talked to about somebody that they cared about, that they loved, somebody who had a relationship with them that they knew loved them, that had the best for them. And they could see in that life something they wanted. And when they said, what is it that makes you like that? How can I become like that? That answer was Jesus Christ. If we don't tell them who will, if we don't share it, who will? The world's certainly not going to. It's our responsibility. You know what I find over and over? People doubting the fact that God's word and their love can change someone else. You have all the power you've ever needed. God has given you everything to do his will. Tonight, if you come back, we're gonna talk about how to be effective in that. I pray you do. If not, maybe you'll catch it on the stream. But the reality is, are you following the way? Are you living in the truth? And are you having that life that's more abundant, not just in heaven, but here on earth. Where are you at today? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready to be baptized? Speaking of which, speaking of which, I know I'm over time, but I do want to announce that three of the nine baptisms were people from our church. Mark is not here today because he wasn't allowed to be here today. He'd been gone from his family for a week. They wanted him home today. But Jeremiah and Benjamin are here. Go ahead and stand up real quick. Jeremiah and Benjamin are here. And that's a beautiful thing. And you know what? Baptism is where it starts, not where it ends. Because the journey really begins after baptism. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? For those of us who have, are we living the way, the truth, and the life? If there's any reason to respond to the invitation, you come, as together we stand and sing.
5: with a brain bleed please can continue to, to pray for him that, that he can, can get out soon Dennis Reichert is having eye surgery Thursday I used to didn't think eye surgery was that big a deal but but uh, when the doctor called me in and and explained all that he was going to do and how he's going to cut my eye and and everything I was thinking, you know, I don't really see that bad, <laughs> but, but uh, in, in, anyway, con- continue to pray for for, for Dennis. It's a it's it, it's an important surgery for him. The, the Pierce's are back from Oklahoma. They they said thank you for the prayers that that they that, they, that, they, that we prayed for them, and the death of Edith's sister. They had a safe trip and, and they're and they're glad to be home. The uh, continue to pray for Leah Robinson and. Betty Larner, and also Bobby Securo, who's in, who's uh, in Saudi Arabia, that, that had a stroke, and pl- please pray that he can continue to to his comprehension in, in, improves. Our our food pantry is is tomorrow from from one to three. One to three is for the is for the people that we serve. We have to be here a lot earlier, so if, if you if you can come earlier to, to help get everything set up and and be ready for the for, for the crowd at one to three and also this month our our goal is 400 cans of vegetables and 200 boxes small boxes of macaroni and cheese let's see uh, t- today we're having a baby shower it's at, at mitzi robinson's home it's it's for, for Betty and Larner's, Betty and Bill's great grandson, and and it'll be from at, at two o'clock. The Thursday this week, Senior Adults Game Day. Doug failed to tell me what the games were that they were going to play, but I'm I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fun. Uh, this month we're having our backpack giveaway, for school supplies, and that'll be on July 31st. If you have any questions see Sue Sharp or Sue Shoemate or Matt. Also, we still need help preparing the communion for August and December this month. If, if you'd like to help, please please either sign up or see Wanda Fitzgerald or, or Susan White. Thank you.
0: Will you stand, please, for our closing hymn and for the closing prayer? <clears throat>
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: And sisters you've given us to walk through this generation with in faith. Thank you for the power of the learning to love each other at a cost to ourselves. We offer ourselves to you in the name of your Son Jesus. Thank for the privilege it is to learn from you all that we need to live a life of love and to encourage each other to look to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.